can be together. Thank you for what you've already accomplished. Thank you, Lord, for the fire that's already residing in the hearts of the saints that have gathered today. Lord, I pray that this would be a day that, that your Holy Spirit would breathe on the fire in each saint that's here right now. In the name of Jesus, I ask. Amen. Well, uh, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're so glad you're here. My name is Pastor Joshua, and, um, and I hope that you're blessed. And I hope you come back, because you know it kind of hurts my feelings when you don't. It's hard to, to not take that personal, because I know it's not the worship team, because everybody always says the worship team's awesome. So that just really leaves, you know, me. <laughs> but luckily, we have some really strong inner healing ministry here and the Sozo ministry team, so they'll put me back together, so I'll probably be okay. Be free. Let the Lord direct your footsteps. All right, here we go. We're going to talk about fasting. Are you excited? Woo! Fasting! Yeah! Don't you? I could just feel it. I can feel you're, you're on the edge of your seat, aren't you? It's like, oh, so excited. Think about all the money you're going to save. That, you know, that's, just think about that. And the longer we go, the more money you save. All right, fine. We'll go to scripture. The jokes aren't working. All right. Well, let me, let me start with a story. Okay, uh, there's a family, and uh, they have several kids in the family. And the father... Uh, smoked a lot of weed, got started in junior high, and then just, you know, he wasn't no quitter, so he stuck with it. And, um, and so it had some adverse, I don't know if you guys know, but even though we legalized smoking weed in Oregon, it messes with your head. It just does. You know? <laughs> I'm not saying that there aren't uh, better options for those that do need a medicinal prescription that it's a lot better for you than Xanax, okay, I'm not trying to be judgy here, but I'm saying the recreational use of marijuana is some foolishness. And, uh, and so at any rate, this family grew up with the father smoking weed to cope. And as the kids became more and more aware of it, then they're like, Dad, you ought to, you know, stop smoking weed because it's making you weird. And uh, that didn't work. And the, and, the, and the mom and the kids would pray, you know, God, set dad free from smoking weed. That also didn't work. And so after years and years and years, and I, I don't remember what the numbers are. I think it was maybe 25 or 30 years. Then all the kids, as a big family, got together, and they decided, you know what we're going to do? We're all going to take a day of the week. We're going to fast on that day, so, you know, when it's Jimmy's day, Jimmy fasts, and then Sally, and then Sue. They're a very old-fashioned family, Dick, Harry, June, and Verla. So at any rate, <laughs> they started fasting, and after a certain time of fasting, I, I, I don't recall how long, I, I believe it was about a year, then all of a sudden, the father, after an entire life of smoking weed since he was like 13, you know, junior high, just stopped. And his comment was, yeah, yeah, I stopped smoking weed. It just, that stuff will really mess with your head. And, <laughs> which to me is hilarious, right? It's like, really, now you're coming with that? But here's what's interesting. That particular drug owned that man's life. And prayer and healthy confrontation and conversations, and literature, and all the other things, which are all very, very good things, were powerless to break the stranglehold that this addiction had on that man's life. 
And at that point, what it took was for this family to decide, you know what, we're going to fast and pray. They were already praying, but they began to fast and pray. And at the end of that season, after three decades, that was broken in his life. With no one talking, because nobody talked to him and said, hey, we're doing this. (laughs) They just did it. I want to share that story with you because each and every one of us has faced in our own life or in other people's lives, there are things that are only going to be broken through prayer and fasting. And fasting is one of the areas that for for most Christians, uh, in our area anyway, I shouldn't say most, most is too strong, many, many of us get the power of fasting. In fact, we've been talking about rhythms of discipleship Well, fasting is one of the rhythms. It's part of prayer. Within the prayer, there's fasting. There's times that we're called to fast. And it's one of the most underutilized areas for many of us. We forget that we're actually called to take times and fast. And beloved, I want to talk to you about it today because there are things in our life that we're facing that wisdom and resources and energy and arguing and even prayer will not overcome and break unless we under the unction and the leadership and the direction of the scriptures and the Holy Spirit fast to see those things broken, to see those break that breakthrough come. So I'm going to talk to you about that today. Are you excited? All right, hallelujah. So we're going to start in Matthew and I'm going to read to you, this is Jesus, and he's speaking, he's coming in and he's speaking, and he's saying, this is how to live. This is how to live. And he begins here, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who's in heaven. So when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, They have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, (laughs) I just got so lost. Thank you, Jesus. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites. Because they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room and close the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others their transgressions, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you don't forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. And whenever you fast, don't put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so they'll be noticed by men when they're fasting. And truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. So Jesus is speaking to us and he's saying, first of all, let's look at the, let's look at the very first thing he says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men. You notice he doesn't say, beware of practicing righteousness. He says, don't practice righteousness in order to be seen by other people. I think a lot of us read this and we go, yeah, Jesus doesn't want us to do these things. He just wants us to be cool and just trust in his grace because he's going to work it all out. So I'm just going to kick back. I'm kind of a grace man myself. No, Jesus didn't say, beware of practicing righteousness. He said, beware of practicing righteousness in the wrong way. But he is advocating that we practice righteousness. And we've been talking about practicing rhythms of discipleship, haven't we? And really this, this fasting, this ties in with prayer. This is an important component. It's a rhythm of prayer that Jesus, that Daniel, that Moses, that Joshua, that the disciples, every righteous person, Esther, every one of them, has fasted and continued in a rhythm of fasting as a part of their walk in their life. Amen? And so Jesus is saying some things. He points it out. So Jesus says, practicing your righteousness, because he says, beware when you practice your righteousness. Don't do it in front of people to be noticed by people. But he's implying that you're going to be practicing righteousness. And then we just read here in Matthew 6 what practicing righteousness involves. And he said, when you give, not if you give, when you give, practicing righteousness involves giving. And we've already covered that, didn't we, in Rhythms of Discipleship, that we, it's generosity. We live a lifestyle of generosity. We have freely been received all things from God, and we freely give him the first fruits. We freely give him the first fruits. You're not a follower of Christ if you're not a person who's practicing giving, you're not following Christ the way that Christ directed us to do. Because he says, when you give, not if you give, when you give. Amen? The next thing we see is praying. He says, when you pray. Jesus is expecting that we're going to pray. He says, not if you pray, should you pray. Don't worry about praying. No, he says, when you pray. When you pray, don't do it just to be noticed by other people. But do it so that your Father in heaven will hear you. And in fact, let me tell you how to do that. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. So when you pray, pray for the kingdom to come. And then finally, Jesus says this, and if for some reason, one time you fast, no, that's not what he says. He says, when you fast, he says, when you fast, then I want you to do it in such a way that others aren't going to notice that you're fasting because you're not fasting in order to prove to the world that you're a really spiritual, good person. 
you're fasting because you want to see the kingdom come. And in fact, the Lord wraps up that section of scripture, Matthew 6, He says, he wraps up this preach, he wraps up this, this direction, this directive for followers of Christ, and he says this, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's saying when you pray, when you give, and when you fast, do these things unto the Lord, do it in this sort of way, and your Father knows everything that you need, and he will meet your needs. And here's what's amazing, is he says, when you do these things in secret, then, do you remember what the promise is? Your Father will reward you openly. What's, what's the reward of praying? Seeing the thing that you prayed for actually happen. The reward of those kids that fasted that their father would be freed from his addiction, the reward was that their father got freed from his addiction. <laughs> Amen. Is this like really hard? You guys are so quiet. <laughs> Need some encouragement. Where's my extroverts? Just come to the front. Just come to the front. If you want, I'll even let you look that way just as long as you make noise. All right. So Jesus is saying, not if you do these things, but when you do these things, and he's been very specific that to practice righteousness is to practice a life of giving, of praying, and of fasting. And beloved, I would dare say that for this tribe, uh, I think this is the first time I've ever preached directly on fasting. Is that right? I think that's right. So obviously, we haven't corporately fasted in a decade. This is true. I have led you astray. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm actually feeling a little convicted. I fast. I just haven't asked you guys to. I'm assuming you just do it on your own, right? You guys are like, I love fasting, right? Any fast lovers in here? Weirdos if you are. Okay, come on. God bless you, Charles. You're so much more spiritual than I am. I, I, okay, the truth is, I like fasting as much as I like to be corrected. Like, I love it. I love it. I mean, I'm telling you, I love it. Red will attest to it that I love it. Now, I don't like it. I choose to love it. <laughs> it's one of those things that you have to do because it's so worth it. But in the middle of it, you're like, you know, Red's like, I don't know. That word wasn't too great. Josh wasn't very clear. I'm like, you're not too great or really clear. <laughs> and then I, you know, repent. And then I'm like, I know. I know. No, I need feedback. We need feedback. It's one of those, fasting is one of those things that you're not going to enjoy it when you first start. But you will very quickly learn to love what can only be produced through fasting. See what I'm saying? Amen? Yeah. All right. All right. So here's what I want to do. Jesus says we're going to be practicing these things. I don't think I need to go on and on and on to try to convince you that if Jesus said we're supposed to be doing something, then we probably better be doing it. I'm pretty sure you're here because you believe what Jesus says. But I think this is a pretty poignant picture, isn't it? That in the New Testament, because some of us, I think, as well, we're like, man, fasting is like Old Testament stuff, back when everything used to stink and we couldn't eat bacon. That's the old way. We don't have to fast no more. We're just free. That is true, you are free, but you still have to fast from time to time and in the way that the Holy Spirit would lead. And there is definitely a place for corporate times of fasting, of which we will be uh, soon letting you know because we are, get ready, 
we're going to have a corporate fast. We're going to take a season of time. We're going to believe for some things. So I'm, I'm talking to you about it now so that it just doesn't happen on a Sunday. And you're like, wait, nobody told me. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. I'm like the guy wearing the 316 thing at the football game. Like, he's coming soon. <laughs> All right. So Jesus has told us, good try. <laughs> Please don't ever do that about the preach. You could do it about the jokes, but if I hear a good try on the preach, whew, I'm going to need another ministry time with the Sozo team. So we're, amen, amen. So here we, was that encouragement or are you saying I need to set up an appointment right now? Okay, all right. So here's the thing. The point is Jesus said that we will do it. So it has not gone away. It didn't, the new covenant didn't come with new and better promises. And one of those is you no longer have to fast. He promised that we would fast. Jesus, when he was, uh, when he was challenged uh, in another place, which we'll get to on another Sunday, when he was challenged by the, the Pharisees and they said, why don't your disciples fast? He didn't say, because nobody has to fast anymore. He said, they are with the bridegroom right now, but there will come a time when I return to the Father where they will fast. And they did. And we see in, in the Bible as well as in church history that fasting is a, is a continued and integral part of seeing the kingdom of heaven released on the earth. All right? So that being said, let's talk about, so what does it do? Why would we fast? What are some of the things that happen when we fast? What's the value that it's bringing? And let's begin with Daniel. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which were revealed in the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Daniel is reading the scripture and he realizes that Jerusalem, which is laying in ruins because they had turned against God, and they were, he, God had said, you must keep the Sabbath to them. They didn't keep the Sabbath. And God destroyed Jerusalem, and he said this, I'm going to let the land rest because you didn't let it rest, and I'm going to let it rest for 70 years because you have ruined it. And so it has been laying dormant in desolation for 70 years, and Daniel understands as he reads the word that the desire and the purpose of heaven is to restore Jerusalem. The end of 70 years has come. What's unique and interesting is Daniel's response to that. What's unique and interesting is that Daniel doesn't hear and understand the word of the Lord and go, oh, well, sweet, that'll be cool. I wonder how that'll work out and passively wait to see God do something. No, he does exactly the opposite. Look at the next scripture. He does this. His response is to humble himself with fasting and prayer. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed and I said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. He continues. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations, the city which is called by your name. 
For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merit of our own, but on account of your great compassion. I want to pause for a moment, and you'll notice in the first scripture what it says is that he humbled himself with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. You see, Daniel understood that God gives a word, and it's what he intends to do. But beloved, what we, have to, what we have to catch is that God is not going to accomplish his will on earth separate from us. He wants us to co-labor with him to do it. When God gave all authority to Adam and Eve in, in the beginning, in the garden, how exactly is it that they lost that authority? Do you remember? It was through a meal. It was a piece of forbidden fruit they literally ate when they weren't supposed to eat. Think about that for a minute. Just based on that piece of evidence, it kind of brings fasting into a whole new light, doesn't it? Denying yourself from eating certain foods or all foods, depending on what kind of a fast you're doing, because you want to see the purposes of God accomplished instead of the purposes of the enemy. That's a say law right there. That I am purposing in my heart to eat what serves the kingdom of God or not eat, as opposed to releasing the curse of the enemy or allowing the curse of the enemy to continue. So Daniel understands this principle, and Daniel purposes in his heart to begin a fast so that, now this is interesting, so that God will do and release on earth the thing that he already intends to do and release. Beloved, I want to tell you something. It's the enemy that comes in and wants us. The enemy is a fatalist. He's the one that wants us to embrace that fatalist mentality. Right? Hey, Sarah, Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. That's a beautiful song, but it's a fat lie. It's a fat lie, and it's what the enemy wants. You see, the enemy wants us to remain passive because he knows that when we agree together, touching anything in his name, he will do it. But God has given us the honor and the glory to release the kingdom of heaven on earth. He's not doing it passively without us, and Daniel catches that, and so rather than setting back and saying, oh, Lord, well, cool, do it. No, no, no. He says, oh, my goodness, this is what you want to release, and so he starts fasting and praying and saying, oh, God, let your kingdom come. In so many words, let your will be done on earth. He starts praying just like Jesus prayed, and he says, God, come and heal this situation. Come into this desolate place and restore the desolations of generations. Come on, doesn't that sound like Isaiah 61? Doesn't that sound exactly like what we're called to do to restore the broken places, to restore those that are oppressed and let them go free? This is the anointing that we've been given, the same one as Jesus. We came here to let the oppressed go free. How do we do that? One of the ways that we do that is through prayer and fasting. And there are certain oppressions, as we know, I'll, I'll point to one. Remember when the disciples came and there was the, the young child and they were constantly throwing himself into the fire and he would have uh, something like epileptic seizures and, and they came, they wanted to cast it out and they couldn't do it. Now get this, they had been casting out demons all day long. It wasn't like, yeah, we've never done it and we tried here and it didn't work, so uh, no, they were totally successful in every area except this one. And it shocked them. 
They're going, why isn't this working? And Jesus says, this one comes out only by prayer. And, well, he, first he says, because of your unbelief. And then he says, this one comes out only by prayer and fasting. Now, there's, I don't have time to preach this sermon, but I'll give you a little taste. It's an interesting little turn of words there because is Jesus talking about the spirit of unbelief that was in his disciples? Or is he talking about the demon that bound the kid? Either way, Jesus said it comes out with prayer and fasting. So whichever one you got comes out with prayer and fasting. And then he casts the demon out. What's the point? The point is there are certain things that will not get broken in our own lives without prayer and fasting. There are certain addictions that you and I have been bound by that we're not going to get power over where we move from survival to freedom without prayer and fasting. Amen? And there are certain loved ones who aren't praying right now, who their hearts are hard, and their eyes are blinded, and they're not going to get free unless we fast and pray to restore those desolate places, those broken places that have been torn down for ages and generations. I'm talking about generational sin. I'm talking about generational systemic poverty and addiction. There's a way to break that. Prayer and fasting. Amen? So Daniel sees this and he begins to pray. Now you notice what he doesn't do is that he doesn't come in and say, Father, I come before you because all those dirty, rotten, nasty, horrible sinners, Lord, not like me. <laughs> no, no, he identifies, he says, God, we, we have sinned against you. This didn't come from nowhere. He stands in the place and intercedes. You got to remember that, when, that we're, we're teaming up with Jesus. What did Jesus do? Did he come in and say, you bunch of wicked, perverse, jerk faces? No, he came in and said, I came not to judge the world, but to save it, and I'm going to do it by identifying in prayer and fasting up to the point of dying on your behalf. Beloved, when we intercede, we take the same tact. You got to go low if you want to see the kingdom come. We take the same tact. Daniel comes in, he begins to intercede. Something interesting happens. As he begins to intercede, and this is a process, as he begins to intercede, suddenly now he starts getting some insight. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. Look at the pivot now. He's starting to say it was called by your name. For we're not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own. There's a humility that's happening. Not coming and saying, God, these are your promises and you got to keep your word because I'm a lawyer and blah, blah. No. He shows up, my father. These are your promises that are predicated upon your character. And we've sinned, Lord. If you're going to give us what we deserve, you're not given enough. We deserve way worse. If it's going to be about legalism, I don't <laughs> bring more judgment. But God, on account of your great compassion something's happening something's happening in Daniel as he is fasting as he is praying he's catching a revelation of the character of God and he's praying the character of God and isn't it amazing because he's also he starts his confidence is growing he's saying Lord I'm not coming here because of our goodness I'm coming here because of yours I'm not praying in hope that we're gonna get it right I'm praying in the hope that you only you can make it right there's an intimacy that happens in fasting. There's a revelation of who God is that happens when we humble ourselves and fast. And doesn't it say that? Doesn't it say that? Humble yourself 
in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. What happens when we fast and pray? We're humbling ourselves, and we get in that position, and he says, come here, son. Come here, daughter. Let me, let me show you things that you know not of. Let me show you what you can't figure out on your own. Let me show you what you can't find on your own. Let me teach you what you can't teach yourself. You guys, revelation is different than learning. You can learn what's in front of you. Revelation is something that somebody else has to reveal. Prayer and fasting brings a revelation, and we see that in Daniel. He's getting a revelation. And I love the response. Gabriel shows up. Come on. Lord, I just want you to do that while I'm on this side. Just... I just, come on. Lord, in fact, everybody in the room, we all want to see Gabriel on this side. Hallelujah. And he said to me, so Gabriel shows up in response, and he says to me, Gabriel speaking, don't be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. Read that last sentence. Read it, read it out loud. And I have come in response to your words. Say that again. Say it one more time. I don't think you get it. Gabriel shows up and tells a human person in skin like you. I have come in response to your words. I got chills. Daniel is a a prophet. Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of the first covenant. And he said the least in the kingdom of heaven from this time forward is greater than John the Baptist. You all rightfully look up to Daniel. The revelation God wants you to get is that you're a prophet, you're a son or a daughter of the new covenant, and Jesus says you're greater than Daniel because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is heavy stuff, okay? And you and I are called to fulfill Isaiah 61, to stand in the gap, to see cities come into the kingdom of heaven, systemic poverty, oppression, addictions, broken off of people as we intercede in the same way that Daniel did, And God is waiting to send Gabriel to us so he can say, I have come in response to your words. Now, how many of you think that fasting might be an unused but very important part of our life? So I'm just going to summarize what happens what we've seen in fasting. The first thing is, when we fast, it reminds us of our dependence on God. It's amazing how when you humble yourself and begin to fast and pray, you, 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 you pretty much have to start with the idea of like, unless God moves, I'm just going to be hungry. Like, <laughs> like it, it, we're so powerless to break these things 
But when we, when we embrace this beautiful, intimate, relational way of encountering God and speaking to him through humbling ourselves through fasting, it makes us so much more aware of our dependence upon him. King's stomach starts grumbling and complaining. And, and if you haven't fasted for a while, I mean, get ready. It, is, it's, it would be funnier, except for when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't seem funny. But you're like, I am going to die. I am going to die. That, Josh is a heretic. This did go, this died in the, Jesus died so we don't have to fast. Yeah, that's right. You become a theologian immediately. King Stomach says, you have a, you have, you're a theologian now. Then hires your brain. Your brain starts getting in on it and starts saying, this isn't wise. The Lord wants us to use wisdom, and if I die, I won't be able to serve him any longer, and I will die. I, I, I'm probably hypoglycemic, actually. There's a blood sugar. My head hurts. It's probably my blood sugar. I'm going to go into a diabetic coma. Now you're a doctor. You will become a doctor in the first few days of fasting. You'd be amazing how smart you get while your body is figuring out that it's not in charge. It's hard. It's hard. Why is there such a war around it? Well, because your enemy, whose chains you were born to break, he knew that he tripped up all of humankind by getting them to eat one meal. He'll use the same tricks with you. Just one meal. Just, what's the big deal? I love how he plays both sides, by the way, guys. He plays both sides. On one hand, on one hand, he's like, you're going to die unless you eat. And your body's like, I agree. Your, your flesh is weak. It's not evil. You're born again. It's not evil. It's, you don't have a sin nature that died with Christ. Okay? But your flesh is still weak. And it is easily swayed at the beginning part of the fast. And so you will be hearing, you're going to die. And you're like, I am going to die. I'm going to die if I, if I do this. And then the enemy will come in because he's already telling you're going to die. And you're like, I'm going to die. And he's like, and also, though, seriously, like, what's the big deal of not eating for a few days? So if it's not a big deal to not eat, then it's probably not a big deal to eat. So really, if you think about it that way, you should probably just eat since it's not a big deal. And you're like, that makes so much sense right now. <laughs> that's, whoa. Like, that's the revelation Josh was talking about. I am getting a revelation right now, and I'm going to eat. It's hilarious. We'll talk about it. We'll compare notes, okay? It's hilarious what happens, but the reason why it's hard, the reason why it's so hard is because it is so powerful. Understand that the presence of the battle is symptomatic of the importance of what you're doing. Amen? Amen? And, and I'm not going to call everybody to a water fast. There's some different kinds of fasts that we can do. Um, and so there's the Daniel fast. We'll talk about some of those details, okay? Honestly, I do have to say this. I think the Daniel fast is harder than the no food fast. I've done both. The hard thing about the Daniel fast is that you're still eating, so your stomach doesn't actually shut down, but you would be amazed how hard it is to stop eating meat and sugar and whatever it is that you like to do. You're just like, Oh, my kingdom for one pint or whatever it is that you do. You know, it's like a pint of ice cream, whatever. It's suddenly, and it's so hard. You would be amazed. You will be amazed. 
So for those of you that are going to go Daniel, I think honestly there's a higher price for that one. But what's the point? The point is that God has brought us to bring freedom. It says, if Christ has set you free, then you are free indeed. And the fast that he has chosen, the fast that he's called us to, in Isaiah says, it's to break the heavy yoke, to let the oppressed go free. And that's what we're looking for. If we're not walking in that in our own lives, there's a certain part of us where this kind comes out by no other way but than fasting and praying. And for others, we're, we're, we're wanting to contend for that. And there are corporate promises over us as a tribe that we're going to be praying towards. So I'm, I'm inviting you on this. We're going to talk some more about what that happens. But let me just uh, let me wrap up with these, with these thoughts. The next thing that we see is as we fast, we're reminded of God's mercy and character. We saw that with Daniel where he's looking and he's saying, Lord, your compassion, your grace, I'm not calling you because of our goodness but because of yours. And then it brings revelation and understanding. You see, first you just have a headache because on a natural side, your body is burning all the toxins that are building up in your body right now. So there's on the natural side, the headache, I'm sure it's spiritual warfare, but also it's the natural outcome of that your body has literally not had an opportunity to get rid of all those toxins. And when you fast, God's healing you, and you just are like, the first three days are rough because you're literally getting rid of poisons. As your head begins to clear, something amazing starts to happen. Your flesh quiets down. Your spirit becomes more sensitive. You become more aware of God's presence. For those of you that have never fasted before, you'll be amazed what starts happening after about the third day. It's very, very cool. For some people, it's further on in the fast, but it causes you to have greater revelation and understanding. The next thing is, when you have greater revelation and understanding of the Lord, you have greater faith because you're seeing Him and you begin to pray in line with Him and, in the, and, the, and, and finally, it's a vital way that he's given us to partner with him in bringing heaven to earth. It's going to be a good journey, guys. It's going to be a good journey. We're going to spend a little more time talking about it, and then we'll move forward together. Let's stand to our feet. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for what you have shown us in your word. Lord, I pray for these saints. God, I pray for us as a house, as a tribe. Lord, that we would experience greater revelation of you. And we ask that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done. Begin to prepare us, Lord. Begin to prepare us for a time of humbling ourselves and consecrating ourselves unto you, that we would see greater freedom, greater fruitfulness, and salvation break out in our land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The prayer servant team is coming, so if you need prayer, please come and get prayer. God bless you guys. I love you. May the Lord give you his shalom.